I really want it to be 80s newscaster music. This show is not allied with any sect, denomination, political entity, organization, or institution. Does not engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any cause. Neither do we. We are not affiliated with Al-Anon or any other 12-step program. The opinions expressed here are strictly of the person who gave them. Please take what you like and leave the rest. Hi, I'm Corey. Hi, Corey. Hi, I'm Claire. Hi, Claire. And this is... And this is Crosstalk. Crosstalk. Um, it's the new year again. I guess our second... Oh, my God. Year. Is it? Or our first? No, it's our mm, second. Our, I think it's um, our first. I mean, time flies with all this recovery. Um, what's going on with you this week? I mean, some things have been going on in the world, fascinatingly. Um, what's going on in uh, little Claire's world? Oh, little little Claire or big Claire? Um, I'll tell you about both. I'll tell you about both of them. Of both of them, yeah. Um, God, you know, so much is going on, Corey. So much is going on. I'm making some very clear steps to transition from one job to a different job. Mm. That feels really good. Um, feels really good. I, we've talked about that quite a bit, I think outside, not really on the podcast, but outside of the podcast. And it's just like time for me to, to do that for myself. And, um, a lot of people pleasing comes up around that. And, I also am doing a life coaching course that started and I yesterday I had a 8 hours on Zoom <laughs> with breaks. Hours? Well, oh it was God. our intro. Yeah, like normally it would be like in person and all of us together like in a place, but um there's 8 of us in this coaching group and it's um Oh fuck, I don't have to be anonymous how great. It's about it's a <laughs> trying to share like for for a meeting um yeah it's to it's it's called like inspired hollywood um but anyways there's eight of us in it and we are all being coached by this excellent life coach who i am gonna leave anonymous for now and um yeah she's we're just like a team moving forward to like look at where we want to be in Uh, in our career there for me, like I want to get back into directing and it's just something that like, I have a hole in my human every day when I, when I'm not, no, I'm not seeking that or even just participating in a, you know, without expectation, but just showing up for that part of myself. So Mm -hmm. I'm really excited for this six months and there, and it was intense yesterday and I was so tired and there's just like, I was like, Oh my God, there's so much to do. And it's so professional. And like, I, honestly, like without program would have never spent the money on myself in this way and invested in myself in this way. Um, and I just did it, you know, and, and it's already like, I can already see the results of me investing in myself in that level and, uh, being like a professional about it. And so anyways, I could go on. How are you? What's up with you? Where the fuck are where in the world is Corey now? <laughs> I have not moved. I've not moved I'm still in Portland. Um you know, it's been interesting. I had a birthday, a natal birthday. I am um I'm twenty four now and, and that's a big year for me. Um, you know, can write almost 
You know, I am such an interrupting cow moo. And I just have to say one time, Corey and I were in a meeting together. And also my Al-Anon birthday is on Corey's birthday. It's on the 8th. And um, yeah. And so, (laughs) but one year I was sharing, we were in the meeting together. We had just gone skydiving for that birthday of yours. And I, instead of saying, I was like just gushing about how full my life was. And I was like, and I got to go with a really wonderful person in my life for their anal birthday. And I was like, I mean, natal birthday. Uh, <laughs> I'll just never forget that. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, not on. my anal birthday. My natal birthday. <laughs> no, we, no, we did jump out of a plane for my 40th birthday, which was quite important, but this is 42, which is kind of a whatever birthday. Um, yeah. But my partner made me a wonderful meal and a beautiful cake, and a friend sent me a wonderful bottle of wine through my partner, and some people called me. Uh, my dad actually sent me, this is a good recovery, my dad um, sent me a text like the week before and was like, I want to buy you this like GPS hiking thing, like a, a Garmin for hikers. Sure. Um, and it was like, you could be in, you know, the middle of nowhere and you could find your way out or whatever. And it was, I, I was like, I don't need this or want this at all. But what was interesting was that he had, <laughs> he had thought about it, that I was having a birthday. He'd thought about things that I like and he knows I like hiking and he'd like gone to this effort. And so I thought about it for him and I was like, do I just let him buy me this? Because he made all this effort and, and the man doesn't even always remember my birthday, let alone make this much effort. And, um, and I love my dad, but, you know, he's not like that kind of uh, pay attention-y, whatever that word is. Um, and so it's like, should I just let him do it? And, and then Alex was like, or my partner was like, maybe you suggest something else you'd like. And I was like, you're right. And I really want, what I really want is a camelback, like a hiking backpack that holds water. Oh, Always. yeah. So I wrote him and I was like, that's so great. I really appreciate you thinking about me and thinking about my hobbies and I won't probably use that very much, but what I could use is this other thing. And he was like, Corey, I would be happy to buy you this other thing for your birthday. You order it and I will send you the money. Because of course he can't deal with Amazon. Um, And I did. And so now I'm getting this present from my father that I actually want. And you know, that was, uh, that was some program right there. Um, And then this was like, Tuesday before my Friday birthday. He didn't remember my birthday. He didn't call me or text me. He sent me a rage text. <laughs> he sent me a rage text about how the woman at the whatever you have to call in, in Houston to get your vaccine, because the man's 75 years old, had messed up his appointment. So now he wasn't going to get an appointment. And so he raged in text to me on my birthday. And I was like, oh, that sounds really frustrating. And I'm so sorry that it happened and all that. And was really, you know, program and response. But just there was no conversation to date recognizing that my birthday happened. But you know what? I don't care. The man made Who it cares? Super grateful. So it was a pretty good week in that respect. I also thought I had COVID for about five days, which was fun. Um, mm. Friend was exposed. Our friend was sick and her test did not come back. And so I, I did, I did rile up some old hypochondria for a while, which was kind of hard. Um, but all of it turned out to be negative and I used a lot of program to get through a lot of it. So super grateful. Um, otherwise life is pretty great. I mean, the sun is out. Uh, I mean, you look great right now. Fantastic. I'm Benjamin buttoning. I'm getting younger every year, which is great. Straight up. Uh, That's, I was like, whoa. 
Yeah. Well, I am, you know, I am sort of, I, I start out like, I don't know, people can't see us, but like, I'm devastatingly handsome. Like, that's just something that the that's audience right. know. That's and right. So, um, you know, I start out on a pretty good footing, but uh, I've got, I got a lot of room to work. So that's good. I think it's to your advantage that you wear, you know, that it's appropriate to wear masks in public now, just because your handsomeness can be, it can, it can kill it's kind of a lot for people. I, I mean, it I is, it stops people. people in their tracks. It's, it's, I mean, you know, accidents have been known to happen. Um, but other than that <laughs> nonsense, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, we have a very exciting topic today. Yeah, and, we do. Yeah, we do. And, um, you know, I don't know if you know this, Claire, but our program comes from another program called Alcoholics Anonymous. What? It does. What is this other program? What are you talking about? Well, we're going to learn a lot about it. But um, so, and we have this thing in program called Double Winners, which is not a <gasps> program term. Um, that means somebody who... <laughs> it's not official. Both programs. And um, we actually have a lot of pieces or a few pieces in our literature. And I'm not sure if we found this, but talking about the importance of understanding the other side of the coin, right? The alcoholic side of the coin, but also I believe it says somewhere in our literature, I certainly hear it spoken of often that we're actually supposed to attend AA meetings to learn more about it. And I know it says, you know, understand all the facts about alcoholism. Did you find, do you know? Yeah, I, I, that, you know, guess, I mean, um, Maybe we can ask our uh, guests. Listeners, listeners, yeah, we can totally, I think we can totally ask our guest. And I think also listeners fact check us, you know, hit us yeah. on that Instagram and be like, this is you wrong. It doesn't say that anywhere. Or <laughs> you can be like, depending on your personality, or you can be like, oh, um, I actually did find that on this page. Or I really don't think that that's in the literature. However, all that being said, whether it is printed or not, I too, Corey, have heard that it can be helpful to go to AA meetings, and I have been encouraged by sponsors and other people in the program to go to AA meetings, Um, especially, I think, the under, like, when you are actively with an alcoholic um, or you have active alcoholics in your life, whether they identify or not, but people that you are bothered by their drinking um, and thinking, you know, I've been encouraged to go to AA meetings to just understand things a little bit better. And we do have literature about it. Yeah. Definitely says um, on our tradition five that we, uh, practice our program by encouraging and understanding our alcoholic relatives and by welcoming and giving comfort to families of alcoholics. And we definitely have, I believe it's, well, it's in the steps, right? The, um, or is, um, you know, learning all the facts about alcoholism. So in the context, that's a do. Of, mm-hmm. Yep. A do. do learn, do learn all the facts about good thing. You have me. It is a do well, learn all the facts there. about alcoholism. Do you have um, the traditions? Are you looking at the traditions right now? I'm just looking at tradition five because that came of my meeting today. But anyway, we are going to learn all the facts about alcoholism today. Because we're going to get to our guest, and I'm going to introduce them now before we debate uh, literature all day. Um, so anyway, we want to welcome to Crosstalk our guest, Bryn. Welcome, Bryn. Hi, Corey. Hi, Claire. Thanks for having me. 
Hi, Bren. Thanks for coming. Welcome. Oh my God. It's such an honor to be able to be of service or asked to be of service at any time, but especially to be invited onto the Crosstalk podcast, which I might be your biggest fan. I don't know how many people out there have heard all of your episodes, but I, I sit on the edge of my seat waiting for the next one to be released, and I'm just a big fan. So to, to be asked to be on here is just uh, a spectacular moment in my life, and I don't mean that lightly. I literally mean that. Oh, that's so sweet, Ben. Ah. I really love that. I just lit up, Bryn. That was so sweet. That was so sweet. I think also just knowing, like, anytime I hear anybody, like, get something out of what we're doing. I mean, I just, Corey and I just did it so we could sort of try and be famous. But um, uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, it's like, ah, that's, it's doing what we, that's all we ever wanted was for somebody to listen and be like, that was helpful, you know? And I had yeah. fun. <laughs> I think it's a good moment, actually. The only reason we don't put out more of these is because it's a lot of work. And I think we do, we do this off it off. Uh, line a lot but we should say in the pod right now today the only reason we can do this uh as often as we're doing it now is because of joe who you might have heard them in a previous episode they were a previous episode of crosstalk and so i really want to thank joe where everyone can hear that we couldn't even be doing this now without joe doing the edit for crosstalk so thank you that's joe. right yeah um so that's like our sponsor for today it's brought to you by is joe it- Joe, um, our, ed- our editor, our, our being of service um, through editing. Yes. <laughs> so I thought before we kicked off this one, we would read uh, Understanding the Alcoholic, which is one of the two pieces we read. And then we would get into Bryn, into Bryn Share, if that sounds good. Claire, do you want to read Understanding the Alcoholic? I'd love to. And it wasn't planned beforehand that I would read it at all. So what a surprise. Uh, great. This is from... The pamphlet, Understanding Ourselves and Alcoholism. Uh, And so here we go. What is alcoholism? The American Medical Association recognizes alcoholism as a disease that can be arrested but not cured. One of the symptoms is an uncontrollable desire to drink. Alcoholism is a progressive illness. As long as an alcoholic continues to drink, their drive to drink will get worse. If not dealt with, the disease can result in insanity or death. The only method of arresting alcoholism is total abstinence. Most authorities agree that even after years of sobriety, alcoholics can never drink again because alcoholism is a lifetime disease. There are many successful treatments for alcoholism today. Alcoholics Anonymous, AA, is the best known and widely regarded as the most effective. Alcoholism is no longer a hopeless condition if it is recognized and treated. Who are alcoholics? All kinds of people are alcoholics, people from all walks of life. Only a small percentage of alcoholics fit the stereotype of derelict or bum, panhandling on the street. Most alcoholics appear to be functioning fairly well, but their drinking affects some part of their lives. Their family life, their social life, or their work may suffer. It might be all three. Alcoholics are people whose drinking causes a continuing and growing problem in any area of their lives. Why do alcoholics drink? Alcoholics drink because they think they have to. They use alcohol as a crutch and an escape. They're in emotional pain and use alcohol to kill that pain. Eventually, they depend on alcohol so much that they become convinced they can't live without it. This is obsession. 
When some alcoholics try to do without alcohol, the withdrawal symptoms are so overwhelming that they go back to drinking because drinking seems to be the only way to get rid of the agony. This is addiction. Most alcoholics would like to be social drinkers. They spend a lot of time and effort trying to control their drinking so that they'll be able to drink like other people. They may try drinking on the weekends or drinking only a certain drink, but they can never be sure of being able to stop drinking when they want. They end up getting drunk, and even when they promise themselves they wouldn't, this is compulsion. It is the nature of this disease that the alcoholics do not believe they are ill. This is denial. Hope for recovery lies in their ability to recognize a need for help, their desire to stop drinking, and their willingness to admit that they cannot cope with the problem by themselves. And this in the pamphlet says it was taken from Alateen, Hope for Children of Alcoholics, B-3, Understanding Alcoholism. Great. Um, Well, I think with that... Let's transition into hearing from Bryn on the topic of uh, what we discussed today, which is understanding ourselves, understanding alcoholism. Bryn, how would you like your time? Uh, um, wow. Uh, three, 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 and one. Does that sound about right? That's so fine. That's how I do my time. <laughs> Then I know I'm on I, the right track. <laughs> I will just uh, give you like a ding. Awesome. When that at your minutes, okay? Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah. First of all, I just want to say um, the amazing one of the amazing things about being on this path. Uh, which really came as a huge surprise to me, uh, but shouldn't be a surprise anymore, and yet is, <laughs> is that wherever I'm at, there, there's always headspace. There's always room above me to go higher, to go deeper. Um, so, for example, today uh, I heard, heard you, Claire, say, if someone's drinking or thinking is bothering me. So I've been around 12 step for 25 years. I've been around Al-Anon for five years and I'd never heard that expression before. I've heard the expression if somebody's drinking is bothering me a million times. Uh, but I've never heard anyone say it that way. If someone's drinking or thinking is bothering me. And that's important to me because I actually, found that probably what bothered me more was other people's thinking than their actual drinking. And that was kind of the, the hook that got me through the Al-Anon door five years ago. Um, and it was a bit of a challenge because when I came through that door, um, despite having grown up in a family where addiction was somewhat rampant, um, I didn't actually know that I had grown up in a family where addiction was rampant. And I think 
as you just read, uh, that would qualify under the term denial. <laughs> um, but what I did know was that someone, a very specific someone's thinking was bothering me. So when I came in, I was like, I'm not sure I'm in the right room. Well, first thing that happened was I felt better. Um, and, uh, you wouldn't have known it, that I was feeling better. Cause I, I cried nonstop through at least the first meeting, probably the first several meetings. Uh, and yet that was, that's what feeling better looked like for me. Um, so, uh, so, you know, if anyone's listening and thinking about Al-Anon, whether they haven't tried it yet or have, if you show up and you're not sure whether you belong, um, using that expression, if someone's thinking or drinking is bothering you, you might be in the right place, I think can be maybe helpful to them. I wish I would have heard that, you know, when I first came in or before I came in, of course, as I stuck around, yeah, thank you. Uh, as I stuck around the, uh, uh, you know, it became clear to me, not only how many people's thinking was bothering me, but how many people's drinking had bothered me and still bothered me. Um, so, you know, in terms of being a double winner, uh, alcoholic addict and an Al-Anon codependent. Um, it was interesting to me um, when I came into this program, having been in several other 12-step programs, first most notably uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, AA, our first step in Al-Anon says we admitted we were powerless over alcohol. And I thought, hmm, maybe I'm in the wrong room. <laughs> uh, you know, I'd been in, you know, other programs that their 12 steps look substantially identical to AA, but they always changed step one, you know, or that word that we admitted we were powerless over blank. And here I was in Al-Anon and said, we're admitted we're powerless over alcohol. And I thought, oh, like, I know how to do this. <laughs> uh, I've, I've been in AA. I am powerless over alcohol. But what does that have to do with Al-Anon? So for me, it was really comfortable and comforting. But I didn't quite know what it meant. And I didn't quite know if I was in the right place because I didn't need to do, uh, I didn't think I needed to do AA again. Um and yet here I was. And so the point that that drove home to me was um, that alcoholism is a family disease and that uh, if I'm an Al-Anon, and I, I, don't, I don't like the word Al-Anon. Um, uh, I mean, it's, it's a great word for describing our program, but in terms of the label for myself, I prefer the word codependent. And I don't know that anybody else has ever officially determined that those two words are synonymous, but in my lexicon, they are. So I don't say, I don't too often say I'm an Al-Anon. I usually say I'm a codependent and I deal with that issue by working an Al-Anon program. 
um, which I know is not exactly parallel and elegant, um, but it's just me. Anyway, um, I digress. Um, so, so, you know, long story short, um, uh, in AA, there's a pretty common expression. Thanks. Um, that alcohol and drugs were not my problem. They were my solution. And, um, I actually worked several other 12 step programs before I came into Al-Anon. Um, this is actually literally for me in the proverbial sense, the last house on the block. Uh, I think I was in at least five other 12 step programs for permanently or temporarily be, before I found the Al-Anon door. But that expression that alcohol wasn't my problem, it was my solution was great because I got to get sober in all those other programs. Uh, but I still had that nagging question, which is, well, if this is my pro my solution, the alcohol and drugs, then what's my problem? And my answer became that I'm codependent. That was my problem. And in Al-Anon, I actually found a solution for that problem. Um, and so I caught sort of that progress from, okay, first I got to deal, you know, my solution's not working anymore, which was the alcohol and drugs. And then I got to get to the next level of, of depth, which was, okay, well, what is the problem? The problem was other people's thinking and drinking or more specifically my response to that, or, or more specifically my reaction to that. Um, and so, yeah, my story, you know, I'm going backward to the front here. The, the qualification is I was an alcoholic. I was a drug addict. Uh, I was compulsive and addictive about almost every known you know, process and substance. Uh, so that's how I qualified through a bunch of other programs. And then I got to Al-Anon and I got to say, okay, if I take away all those crutches, um, and I'm left with other people's thinking and drinking and my reactions and responses, um, what's that going to look like? And in this program, I've, I found out what that looks like when I stop having that response and those reactions to other people's thinking and drinking. Um, and, you know, it was really comforting to me to see really in a weird way uh, when I learned, I mean, I, the great thing about being a double winner is, you know, for a lot of Al-Anons who walk in, they got to figure out alcoholism uh, and then be able to see maybe their responses to it. I pretty much understood alcoholism. I was an alcoholic addict and I knew what it looked like. So you know, what I could see was there's no difference between an alcoholic and a codependent with possibly the exception that the alcoholic is addicted to the substance and the codependent is addicted to the alcoholic, um, which really makes them also addicted to the alcohol. Uh, that's the thing about the alcoholic that's addictive to me. One minute. Thanks. I'll wrap up. Um, so, you know, the beautiful thing about being a double winner is, is you kind of actually come in with, with a little bit of a, a head start. Like, but, you know, if you don't have that lucky enough to have that experience, I can't imagine really getting sort of that far that fast in Al-Anon 
without pretty clearly understanding what what the hell it means. Step one. Why does step one? You know, what a mystery. Why does that say we're you know we're powerless over alcohol and that it makes our lives unmanageable? Um, and yeah, you know, the suggestions kind of like what Claire read about you know go to meetings, talk to alcoholics. You know, and interesting, you know, the meetings do kind of prohibit really sharing on that too much uh, in terms of recovery in another program. So I, I'm really grateful to have this podcast um, and an opportunity, you know, to explore it myself and maybe in that way be of service to others. I think I'll wrap That's up. That's your time. Thanks. Perfect. A wonderful lead, Bren. Thank you. Um, you've been such a strong part of my program uh, these last years. I've been so lucky to have you. I mean, you just called me out of the blue one day and outreach, and you're actually one of the few people I outreach to regularly. So, so, so grateful for you. Um, well, let's cross talk this. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Get it, Corey. Get it. Uh, the first thing, I mean, I wrote down a lot of things because it's a really good lead. Um, let's start with. Because understanding step one seems to be really important in what you said, and you get a head start with coming from the other program. So I guess my first question is, what does step one mean to you? Um, I mean, there's a lot of different ways to attack it. But, um, I mean, obviously, you know, the, the sort of double underlined word in, in, my, <laughs> in my 12 and 12 is powerless. Um, and... Um, and, you know, when I was young, so I, I started drinking and using pretty much in earnest. Well, there, there was sort of the, the sort of initial phase, which was probably around 10 years old. And then there was sort of like the ramp it up phase around uh, 18 years old. Um, and, and then there was early sobriety around, I think, 35 years old. So I had a whole bunch of years and, um, you know, seeing my powerlessness over alcohol and substances and processes is, is what that, that initial 35 year period was all about. <laughs> um, and then, uh, you know, obviously, you know, starting a 12 step program and starting to apply that powerlessness and say, okay, well, if I can't, who can? Um, and I was a atheist coming in and got to learn about, you know, well, if I can't, then, and I, and I need this, then I better find someone who can for me. That became my higher power. And then when I got over to Al-Anon, you know, what I, what I'd sort of gotten to, um, was, okay, I can, I can stop drinking and using, but, um, I'm still going to be a perfectionist. I'm still going to try to fix this, that, and the other thing and this, that, and the other person. So the Al-Anon slogan, you know, I didn't cause it. Uh, I can't control it and I can't cure it. Um, was really the sort of expanded version of the definition of powerless to me. Mm -hmm. And with that came just an incredible sense of serenity and freedom, which is, well, if I can't, like, if I believe that, if I take those words 
to heart. And the other people in the room who espoused, you know, those words, that principle seemed to believe it. And I tried everything that wasn't working. So I might as well try what those people were trying, which was admit that I couldn't cure it. I couldn't control it. I didn't cause it. And that just took all the pressure off suddenly like, Oh, okay. You know, and then later down the line, actually in a meeting, I heard a woman say something along the lines of, you know, giving people the dignity to follow their path up to and including, you know, to death from using, right? Because you're going to end up with, you know, death institutions and insanity. Uh, and if that's the path, I have to be able to give people that dignity. And, you know, <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. But then once you start doing it, uh, it's kind of great. It's like, oh, I'm not responsible for any of this. I'm not responsible for any of that. I'm not responsible for anyone else. Um, I know I I'm have a question for on. you, Brian. Yeah, Claire. Yeah, Claire. I mean, like from that, because I love that, like giving people the dignity of their own experience, right? And like that was such a gift to me. To, I mean, also loving everything. I'm just like sitting here, like oh, absorbing everything. Um, but <laughs> I'm curious to know, like, as someone who you know really does identify and like totally um speak up if i say anything that isn't you know what you said or or if I, I misunderstood anything um but like as someone who what i heard was that like uh, does identify as an addict from that side you know whether it be alcoholism or whatever hearing that like learning that you know the concept of like not just for yourself but like i think from the other side of like I guess sometimes I think that I'm <laughs> such an Al-Anon. I'm like, uh-oh, I gotta give this person the dignity of their own experience, and they might fucking hate that, you know? Or like, if if only my you know dad knew that like this was about the dignity of his own experience, he would think that you know. So I just wonder, like, from your perspective, from the from the addict brain, which I think I also like 100% believe that there's really no difference between the codependent and the the addict, you know, it's, it's just a different form of the thing. Um, and the allergy to drinking or not, or the allergy to the addiction or not. But, um, that wasn't a very clear question, but do you know, do you get what I'm asking? <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's why I Corey could, asked I could just start riffing question. on it and pretend I do, but I know. <laughs> so like my, I guess if it was a question, it'd be like, from that perspective, not the not the Al-Anon brain that's like in the recovery of Al, of, of of codependency from an Al-Anon program, but from you know the addict brain, like is it offensive for to think oh they're just like gonna let me hit rock bottom? Oh, like th I'm just supposed to have the dignity of my own experience here? Like I I just wonder you know what the thoughts are from that perspective. Yeah. Okay. So that's a great question because that is I mean. So many people that I hear in the rooms get to Al-Anon because of that discomfort, which is, well, I, I can't just let my qualifier, my addict, you know, end up in death right. jails and institutions. I just can't yeah. let them do that. I don't think they want me to do that. I don't think even my God wants me to do that. I think I control, control this, cure this. <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. 
and uh, maybe I caused it. And so, yeah, that's the great challenge. Now, from the addict side, I would say this. I mean, um, you know, the other the other word I like besides codependent is enabler. So, yes. How, <laughs> I mean, the question is, you know, how can I help the addict, right? Because that's what the codependent wants to do. And, you know, I want to help them get better. I want them to get better as I define that term. I want them to get better on my timeline. I want them to get better in the way that I think they should be better. And, oh, by the way, for me, if I get them better, they're going to love me. And so really it's selfish. It's really ultimately a character defect of mine that I want people to be you know, on the spiritual path that I'm on because it's good for me in one way or another. It's going to boost my Mm -hmm. ego. You know, it's going to make, you know, Thanksgiving dinners more pleasant because the addict won't be drunk, (laughs) you know, whatever. But the humility of that I have found in 12 step is I have no idea what path they are supposed to be on. Truly, and I, and I look at my own addiction, right? Which is, I have no regrets about being an alcoholic, an addict, or an Al-Anon. That um, those were my maladapted coping mechanisms, and mm. I needed coping mechanisms, and I didn't have particularly great ones, but I had not so great ones. And I don't know if without my drinking and using, you know, what that path would have looked like. It might have been suicide. You know, it might have been something even more unpleasant and I'll never know that. And certainly nobody else would ever know that. And, you know, I got to Al-Anon when I got there, you know, I got to AA when I got there because that was the right time for me. It stopped working. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. that's the other half of step one, right. I saw that my life had become unmanageable and I don't even like the word unmanageable. I use the phrase, it had gotten more complicated than I wanted it to be Um, because it wasn't unmanageable for me. I was managing great. You know, I I just just do whatever I needed to do and, you know, spend whatever time in jail I needed to spend and pay whatever fine I needed to pay and start whatever new relationship I needed to start and move to whatever new city I needed to move to. Because my brain always told me I can manage this. I can manage this. I can manage this. And so I could never get around to saying I was, it was unmanageable, but I could say, well, maybe life could be a little less complicated. And that's what I would like. (laughs) You know, and that goes to sort of the other point, you know, that, that we say in Al-Anon, which is, you know, it's not for people who need it. It's for people who want it. You know, nobody needs yeah. this. No, who needs this shit? And it even says, I, I always get the big book and the felt confused, but like who wants to quit drinking? Who wants to admit they're powerless? Who wants to do a moral inventory? Who wants to make amends? Like none of us really want to do that. But yeah, if you know I what mean, you I get think- out of it on the other end. Right, right, right. I think I do now. I, I mean, for yeah. me anyway, I do. I'm annoying in that way. I like willingly like <laughs> Corey hates me. And it, for those reasons, sometimes he's like, ah. I'm like, no, it's wonderful. I'm so glad that somebody rear ended me because now I get to look at my resentments around this type of driver, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> 
but I didn't before, you know, like before program, I was like, fuck that shit. You want me to like, no, no, you just change the way you are and then everything will be fine. Like if you, that, that like, uh, I think, you know, heard so many times and, and joked about so many times in the rooms is like, if everybody just did what I said, everything would be fine. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, I mean, I guess when I say who wants to do that, I have had the same experience, which is I actually don't mind doing that anymore. I actually have found through the process that when I make a moral inventory, my life gets better. When I make amends, my life gets better. So I, yeah, I do actually, you know, I fell in love with the steps, you know, I fell in love with this way of living. And so Mm -hmm. I don't mind it at all. And I think actually I probably misquoted whichever piece of literature that is, which is says, it probably says something like, which what active alcoholic or that was probably the implication mm. you know very few people yeah. like, come into the rooms like hi i'm here to learn how to make amends for everything i've done wrong <laughs> like, I don't think that really brings people into the room <laughs> you know and even in al-anon you know i think you know the number one thing i've probably taken away from the meetings is i hear people come in the rooms and say you know i'm here, here to learn how to how to how to fix my qualifier uh which is great. You know, I mean, we don't do any marketing. So if that's, you know, if that's what people think on <laughs> on is about, great. Have Come at on it. In. In. Grab a seat. We've been waiting for you. Mm-hmm. Bryn, what does, what does bottom look like in your AA and what does bottom look like in your Al-Anon and which is worse? <laughs> wow. Uh, God, Corey, I just like yeah, choked on that question. Uh, <laughs> Well, funny enough, my AA bottom, let me, let me start with that one. Cause chronologically, that's the one that came first. Um, I, I was a pretty high bottom AA. Um, uh, and, and the big book says, you know, maybe someday people will be able to get recovery be while they still have, I can't remember the list while they still have a job, while they still have a car, while they're still married. Um, uh, I actually found AA right after I'd gotten divorced. <laughs> so I didn't have that, but I still had a job and I still had a car. Um, and so, I mean, the truth of the matter is probably a lot of people would have looked at my life right before I quit drinking and said, um, that's a pretty good life. <laughs> um, so, uh, I, I don't really have a great sort of dramatic drunk log on, you know, how I found AA. Um, my Al-Anon <laughs> bottom, <laughs> however, is lovely. <laughs> uh, that's great. My yeah. My Al-Anon <laughs> bottom was, um, I had, I had been with someone whose thinking was bothering me and, um, I had actually, I'd been in a romantic relationship with her and, um, we had broken up. I had broken up with her and several, I don't even remember now weeks or possibly even months later, one day I'm sitting on the sofa. This is, it's so weird. I don't think I've ever told anyone this story. And here I am sort of publicly <laughs> telling it. God, I hope she doesn't hear it. Anyway, uh, <laughs> um, we'll just call you Bob for the rest. Yeah, of the- Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I started crying and I, well, no, I started missing her. I'm like, why am I missing her? 
uh, that's really weird. Like I didn't like her, you know, I broke up with her. It's been weeks or months. And I just started having this weird kind of insane craving. And somewhere like in the next maybe 24 hours or something, I started crying and I couldn't stop crying. I ended up curled up in the proverbial fetal position on the floor, just obsessively craving this person whom not only did I not like, but I pretty much hated. Um, And not only was I broken up with her, but broken up with her because she was severely abusive uh, and had a pretty severe mental illness. And yet here I am, obsessively craving her. So I had enough perspective to say, like, this is probably what crazy looks like. And, um, Mm -hmm. sorry, I didn't hear that. Oh, I was just nodding and going, "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm." Uh so, um, (laughs) and, and a weird voice came into my head, which is more or less akin Mm. to what one might call God that Mm -hmm. said, go to Al-Anon. Mm. Which, you know, luckily, you know, that, that, that program, that label, that term was in my head from sort of somewhere. Um, and I was like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> like, why am I getting this message? <laughs> and I was just absolutely fucking desperate enough to go. Mind you, still crying. Like it had been a week well, I probably went to the meeting maybe 24, 48 hours later, but I didn't stop crying for a good week or so. I cried uncontrollably. And if that isn't powerless, if the inability to control your emotions at the most basic level of stopping crying enough to function. I remember uh, I had a business meeting in the middle of that week uh, with, with a, with a collaborator who, who I knew pretty well. And he shows up the meeting. And I, I had to say to him, look, I apologize. I want to cry through this whole meeting. I've been crying for days. I don't know why. Um, mm-hmm. and whoa, that's, that's what my al bottom looked like. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think there was a third part to your question besides what, what did, what did my AA and al well, bottom look like? Uh, I'd ask which was worse, but I think you just answered that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I have to answer that one, right? <laughs> uh, let me think. <laughs> it's so interesting, Bryn, because I don't know. I think for me, I am also someone who I am, for lack of any other term, sober. I don't attend AA meetings. I'm, I have been to lots of different 12-step meetings. I've been to AA meetings. I've been to SLAW meetings. I've been to OA meetings. I've been to DA meetings. I do go to DA meetings pretty – I pop in at least once a month um, to check myself. And as far as alcohol goes, though, I, I got sober uh, or stopped drinking when I started a relationship, a romantic relationship with uh, an alcoholic who felt like they needed to get sober, identified as an alcoholic, got sober. And then I was like, ah, it's weird to drink around this person. And also I feel altered, like being with this person. I don't like that anymore. So I stopped and then liked myself better when I wasn't drinking. I could then see like all these times that I maybe did things that didn't really work for me, like didn't 
serve me because I was under the influence of something. Now, do I have a compulsion to drink? I don't know. Am I interested in trying to find out? Absolutely not. So all I have to say about that is like, you know, my drinking didn't lead me to a place of like fucking things up super, super bad. Although I did make choices that weren't super, super great a lot um, when I was drinking. But like the Al-Anon learning, learning about yourself in this deep, deep way where it's not about my compulsion to drink anymore or my thinking I need a thing outside of myself, but that literally the thing within myself is needing this to survive. I just, for me, it's like so much bigger in, inside of myself. It's like more painful because now I'm, I can't even blame a thing. It's just me. It's just something within me that is like the God-shaped hole, you know, that that's the solution for. Anyways, I just wondered if that resonates at all or if in terms of like you coming to a place of going, oh, the Al-Anon bottom was pretty, was a lot worse, you know, why that is. Yeah. um, I (laughs) think, I mean, here's how I look at the world. I think that I probably had more resistance to Al-Anon And therefore, God gave me a more intense experience in order to make sure that that resistance was overcome. And and that's just how I think it works. I mean, I don't, I you know, I don't know why things happen or how things work, but that's my. Do you think that Al-Anon is the master program, as we often say in our rooms, having been in all the that program as well? I mean, all I can say is, you know, having only been in like five or ten programs, you know, there might be other ones. Clutterers <laughs> might be the one oh, that's one of the master program. I haven't done it yet. Last house on the block, you know, like so to me, it sounds like it might be the master program. Yeah, for me, um, two things happened in Al-Anon that hadn't happened before, which was number one, you know, I got to see if alcohol was my solution, what was my problem? And it was Al-Anon. And maybe it's because I had gotten some abstinence from processes and substances that I was just able to just sort of drink from the Al-Anon chalice. And, um, and that just, just rocket fueled my serenity. Um, my spiritual connection. Um, and, and so, you know, I did find that people's thinking and drinking, you know, were just tools to discover my own character defects. Um, Mm -hmm. and that using those, you know, why does it bother me when this person says or does that thing, you know, and, and the short answer for me was, because I don't know how to take care of myself around someone doing those things because I don't accept myself enough. And because ultimately I don't have the right kind of connection to the universe and my higher power to solve that problem. And I saw oh, that boom, there's my solution. You know, if I have the self-acceptance, then that, person's, you know, drinking or acting out isn't going to bother me. Well, how do I get the self-acceptance? I got to connect up to the universe, to my higher power, who's going to 
show me how to love myself. You know, I can feel God's love and I can emulate it, you know, and I look back at all the, you know, fucked up shit I did in my life, particularly when I was drinking and using and say he was there the whole time, right? He saw it all. He let me do it and he still loved me. Um, so if he could love me through all that, why can't I love myself through all that? Um, and I think it's in the ninth step promises somewhere, you know, that, that, that we don't regret the past or wish to shut the door on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it is. promise coming true is an extraordinary experience. You know, the fucked up shit I did to say, you know, and people will call it arrogance or hubris. You know, it's like, you know, I, I did this fucked up shit and I don't regret that. You know, well, maybe it's a different sense of the term regret. Do I wish I would have done it differently? Of course. But I accept that I couldn't have and I accept that it was part of my path. And I accept that my path is the perfect path for me and for my higher power and that I am part of that. I don't need to be ashamed, you know, more than anyone else. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm just nodding, nodding, nodding. Go ahead, Corey. Say, speak the things. Oh, no, I was going <laughs> to ask kind of a technical question about the programs that I've always wanted to know. And I, I feel like we talk about this sometimes um, on our side of the fence. But when, when you go to an AA meeting as a newcomer, it looked like in the meetings that I've gone to that there's a more aggressive approach to get that newcomer under the wing and into the safety of the group. And my feeling from Al-Anon, from all these meddling Al-Anons that we are, <laughs> that we do the opposite. Speak for yourself, Corey. <laughs> it's a very detached, you know, we're here for you when you're ready kind of thing. And I'm wondering if that's true and what your experience with that is, because I feel like it would almost be a little bit easier to get into AA in some ways, in my opinion, because more people would be like, you're a newcomer, I got to talk to you, I got to help you, like, we got to get you recovered you know like and with Al-Anon you know we have such a hands-off approach I'm just curious about that as the two programs going well I think it goes to your last question which is that's the starter program (laughs) and we're the graduate (laughs) program Uh, you know by the time you get to Al-Anon you're ready to take responsibility and agency over your own life I'll tell you another program that's interesting, uh, Compulsive Eaters Anonymous, CEA Howe, who absolutely will not let you leave the first meeting without a food plan and a sponsor. Uh, So, um, yeah, you know, and and thank God for them for that. It's it's lovely. It works for them, whatever. Uh, But, you know, for me, that experience, you know, one of the great things about the rooms in general, Elanon in particular, is how... You know, just learning, you know, not only do I have to take, you know, responsibility and, but, but that I can take responsibility. I can do this. I can do this. I can make the decision and they'll let me make my decisions. And I mean, yeah, that's what we need. (laughs) You know, that's what we need. I can trust myself. I can trust my intuition. That's my higher power. That's my path. Nobody knows what path I'm supposed to be on. You know, I took friggin' two years to go through my fourth step. My sponsor, God bless him. Michael, if you're listening, thank you. I love you. Uh, you know, he let me take two years to get through my fourth step. Um, I don't know why I needed to take two years to get through my fourth step. Um, but I did. Um, and yeah, I get that. 
you know, that that's definitely a different experience in Al-Anon from AA and some of the other programs of just like, hi, welcome, have a seat. Like, but you know, well, they don't have the time. Like you're trying to keep them from drinking. So it seemed to me like there was an urgency, which is interesting because I guess maybe thinking doesn't feel as tangible of an urgency as drinking. Well, let's be honest. I mean, there's a lot of people in AA who haven't dealt with their codependency issues yet, you know? Uh, so I always say, you know, just cause they walk in the room, you know, doesn't, doesn't mean that, that they're recovered. We are recovering. We are awakening. So, but I do believe, you know, that God's in those rooms. And if, you know, if, 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 if your AA is going to come up, your Eskimo or whatever is going to come up and grab you, you know, but the short hairs and say, Hey, you know, you're with me now, you're going to do these steps, you know, God's there, man. Maybe that is the right thing for that person. Are the cravings yeah. the same point in your recovery? Like the cravings, mean, are the cravings the same, the craving for people or the craving for alcohol? Are they the same at this point in your recovery? No, totally different. I mean, it's, it's a lot Claire even kind of said it. Well, it's like, um, when I get a little bit loose, right? Like, um, I mean, the alcohol and drugs is, uh, that, that obsession has been pretty much lifted. I, I, if I think about drinking, you know, once every year, it's a lot. And I don't think about it usually for more than a couple seconds. Um, mm-hmm. the Al-Anon, you know, the, the desire to fix, the desire to make the universe happen in my way on my time, that's a daily challenge, you know, mm-hmm. absolutely. <laughs> um, but but I am now awake enough, thank God, and not using other substances so that I can sense when I start doing that, the universe pushes back real fast. And my sensitivity is now higher because I'm sober, because I'm abstinent, because I'm connected, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm an Al-Anon. And I start to feel what pushback feels like. And I can do a lot of my own sort of self-checking. I mean, the 10th step is a daily a daily check-in, you know, am I trying to fuck with the universe's course for somebody else? Um, why am I feeling this resentment? Why am I feeling this fear? You know, why am I angry about this, that, or the other thing? What am I trying to control? Um, so I get pretty, you know, quick feedback loop on that. Bryn, this is so great. I mean, I just feel like, um, also just speaking to like, Sorry, sometimes I have so many thoughts in my head that I have to like organize them before I, I open my mouth. And uh, sometimes I just start opening my mouth. But like, just, it, I was like thinking as you were speaking to all of it, right? Like, because uh, we're going to wrap up here in just a second. And I want to um, end with reading Understanding Ourselves to kind of like bookend it with, you know, being having the double winner topic going on. And it's like, you just brought us there, you know, and, and to me, that is also higher power, right? Like just all of these things, like in every part of my life, like being available for not getting involved in it. And I think it's like, I don't know when I think about, um, any kind of addiction, you know, it's like, and and the difference of that or just like that place of mindset versus the uh 
well, I guess it's still an addiction, addiction to a substance versus an addiction to a person or people, places and things rather that are just so much more like ambiguous and unknown and kind of like not as tangible, I think, in the same way to to understand as a bottle or a pill or a food, a cookie. Um, it makes sense to me that you, when you would go into a room where it is a, a, an object, a thing that is, you can go buy at the store, you know, that, that is, that it's different, that it's just so different. And, and that the, the mental space is different and the attitude and perspective is different. And I think a lot of personalities are different too. It's like, I think a lot of people that are al like strictly al and don't have any kind of uh, other substance addiction, you know, it's like so much about, controlling other people and also i think for many of us we grew up in a in a home or in an environment where other people tried to control us the entire time you know or we witnessed other people trying to control other people so like when we go and for me like showing up at my first meeting having people like literally not tell me that i had to ever come back or ever do anything was like all I wanted to do was go back. It was like, (laughs) you know, because I was like, Oh, I don't have, it was like the first time I, like I was given the choice, you know, it wasn't like, it wasn't like you have to do it. You don't have to do anything, kid. Like you do whatever you want. It was like, what I get to do whatever I want. Well, I want to go back to that place where I learn how to do whatever I want, (laughs) Mm. you know? Um, whereas like you, when I think when you see that, like, because of your addiction, you're like, like shit's fucked up in your life. It's like, please help me. Please help me get rid of this. Like, please help me drop this. I don't know. That's just from my perspective, not having worked, uh, fully like other, other programs in that way. But so we've come to this place of the end of our, of our episode today. And so naturally you brought us there going through, your experience, strength, and hope around being a, we'll call it, quote unquote, a double winner. Um, And it was just so beautiful, just so divine, just so divinely done. So I was thinking just with that, it would be really lovely to bookend today with understanding ourselves, you know, because I just feel like, Bren, you really set us up with bringing us through understanding alcoholism and then you just did it. It would happen so naturally that then it was the conversation of understanding ourselves. And so, um, are you up for that? Are you up for reading, understanding ourselves to take us out? Yeah, I'd love to. Awesome. Uh, here we go. Understanding ourselves. Alcoholism is a family disease. Compulsive drinking affects the drinker and it affects the drinker's relationships, friendships, employment, Childhood, parenthood, love affairs, marriages all suffer from the effects of alcoholism. Those special relationships in which a person is really close to an alcoholic are affected most, and the people who care are the most caught up in the behavior of another person. They react to an alcoholic's behavior. They see that the drinking is out of hand, and they try to control it. They are ashamed of the public scenes, but in private, they try to handle it. It isn't long before they feel they are to blame and take on the hurts, the fears, the guilt of an alcoholic. They become sick too. These well-meaning people begin to count the number of drinks another person is having. They pour expensive liquor down drains, search the house for hidden bottles, listen for the sound of opening cans. All their thinking is directed at what the alcoholic is doing or not and how to get him or her to stop drinking. 
This is their obsession. Watching another human being slowly kill themselves with alcohol is painful. While the alcoholic doesn't seem to be worrying about the bills, the job, the children, the condition of his or her health, people around begin to worry. They make the mistake of covering up. They fix everything, make excuses, tell little lies to mend damaged relationships, and they worry some more. This is their anxiety. Sooner or later, the alcoholic's behavior makes those around him or her angry. They realize that the alcoholic is not taking care of responsibilities, is telling lies, using them. They have begun to feel that the alcoholic doesn't love them, and they want to strike back, punish, make the alcoholic pay for the hurt and frustration caused by uncontrolled drinking. This is their anger. Those who are close to the alcoholic begin to pretend. They accept promises. They believe. They want to believe the problem has gone away each time there's a sober period. When every good sense tells them there's something wrong with the alcoholic's drinking and thinking, they still hide how they feel and what they know. This is their denial. Perhaps the most severe damage to those who have shared some part of life with an alcoholic comes in the form of the nagging belief that they are somehow at fault. They were not up to it all, not attractive enough, not clever enough to have solved this problem for the one they love. They think it was something they did or did not do. These are their feelings of guilt. We who have turned to Al-Anon have often done so with despair, unable to believe in the possibility of change, unable to go on as we have before. We feel cheated out of a loving companion, overburdened with responsibilities, unwanted, unloved, and alone. There are even those of us who are arrogant, smug, self-righteous, and dominating. But we come because we want, we need help. While we may have been driven to Al-Anon by the behavior of an alcoholic friend, spouse, or child, a brother, sister, or parent, we come to know that our own thinking has to change before we can make a new and successful approach to the problem of love living. It is in Al-Anon that we learn to deal with our obsession, our anxiety, our anger, our denial, and our feelings of guilt. It is through the fellowship that we ease our emotional burdens by sharing our experience, strength, and hope with others. Little by little, we come to realize at our meetings that much of our discomfort comes from our attitudes. We try to change these attitudes, learn about our responsibilities to ourselves, discover feelings of self-worth, love, and grow spiritually. The emphasis begins to be lifted from the alcoholic and placed where we do have some power over our own lives. Perfect. Ah, uh, thank you so yeah. much, Bryn. Yeah. I needed to hear that today. It's so interesting. Like, I don't know how many times I've sat in the meeting listening to someone read Understanding Ourselves and feeling like, I get it. Do I have to fucking hear this fucking reading one more time? Can I hear a different one? Um, I understand myself. And today hearing you read it, like, as such will often happen with me in literature, when I listen to it enough or read it enough, it touched another place within me, just as you were speaking about, you know, hearing the somebody's drinking and thinking and how, how you hadn't heard that. And I guess that's just, I just needed, needed to, for myself, say that that's the beauty of the program for me at its core is like, there's always something new that I get to take away and grow from. And 
Ooh, I needed to hear the power over our own lives. Fuck. So mm. good. Well, thanks, Bren. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you. As, uh, as I said, it's, it's, it's really an honor. And it is a gift of this program. Um, you know, I said I came into this program. I was unable to stop crying. I cried through that entire first meeting without a doubt. And, and to, to be asked to share on this program is, is a reminder. It's an affirmation that I have something to share. And, you know, that's the growth. That's five short years. I came with nothing and now I have something. And, um, and I feel that way, you know, I feel like I have something and that's, you know, that's just an unbelievably different experience to go through life feeling that, that you have something of value to share. Uh, and so thank you for, you know, letting me affirm that in my own recovery today. Thank ah. you. What a wonderful way to close. Um, well, you definitely have valuable things to share and I'm so glad that you're a part of our program now too. Um, thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening, thank everyone. So, thank you so much, um, Bryn. Yeah. I'm going to be calling you now. Oh, please do. I love outreach calls. I love outreach calls. I, yeah. Anytime, anywhere, uh, you or any of your listeners, I absolutely love and appreciate outreach calls. It's a huge part of my program, taking them and making them. Yeah, well, we can, we can make that. We can socialize that. Speaking of which, everyone should check out the Crosstalk Pod Instagram account where we will have wonderful quotes from this and previous shares as well as some fun memes sometimes. And uh, we like to repost other sites that we like. Um, so it's it's obviously the best. You know, and I don't know if it's appropriate or not, but you literally can put my phone number up there, Corey. Oh, if, if, if this will be a first. That'll yeah. be what we'll do. You can call yeah. Bren by yeah. checking out. Oh, my God. What the, the cross-pollinization marketing side note. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean that you can't even get this energy like that. That's that's, that's, that's high How about this? If you're if you're you can DM us if you want specifically if you want Bryn's number, just DM us and we'll get it to you. Yeah, let's see how that works. We'll try both. Yeah. Um, but also subscribe <laughs> to this pod if you're not already a subscriber on whatever podcast platform you prefer, Apple. Mm-hmm. Or- uh, Spotify or Stitcher, I guess. Some people are listening to Stitcher. Thanks. Thanks or, or if you're on po- on the Podbean, which We're is Podbean. where our host, that's our host. host. Yeah. So please subscribe. And, you know, obviously, as we close every time, keep coming back. Yeah, Good keep work. coming back. If you work it, it you're does. worth it. It's worth it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Thanks, bye, everybody. Everyone. Thanks, guys.